Good morning. Welcome. Come on in. Find a seat. There are plenty to choose from. I guess we got a lot of people rolling in late today. That's just the way it is. Glad you're here on time. Thank you for that. Um, hope you had a great week, and I do hope that you are already enjoying the blessings of, of this season. And uh, I hope that uh, the Lord is doing great stuff through that as we continue to fix our eyes on Him. I also hope that you received one of these on your way in today. It's worthwhile taking a look at that as there's helpful stuff in there. A couple of things I want to highlight as we begin today. Uh, This Saturday is our Star Wars event. Um, So if you were planning on Trying to see the new Star Wars movie on opening weekend would be a lot of fun for you, I believe, I think, to join us for that. Uh, It's a celebration that we're doing Saturday afternoon. We rented out one of the theaters up here for a 2.30 private showing, and we still have about 20 tickets that are available. So if you were planning on you and your family getting involved in that, you'll want to get your tickets signed up for today. It's right out on the front at the welcome desk. Uh, There's a sign-up sheet there. Make sure you get those grabbed up. And uh, the the showing starts at 2.30, but we're going to open the doors at 1.30 and have uh, some games. I think there's even a costume contest, some trivia stuff, lots of prizes that we're doing leading up to the movie that starts at 2.30. So that's this coming Saturday. And then Christmas Sunday, I want to make sure that we're clear on that. Christmas Sunday is is Christmas Eve this year. And so we're going to have two services that day. We're going to have one in the morning. We're going to have one at night. But they're not going to be identical services. So we're encouraging you to consider coming to both. The morning service is going to be celebration oriented. Um, Lots of fun stuff. Um, Lots of different things happening on the Sunday morning service, regular time, 10 o'clock. But then 6 p.m. Sunday night will be a very contemplative, uh, worshipful uh, um, service where we'll, we'll engage in some candle lighting and even uh, receive communion together. So two very different experiences. You'll want to come to both if you can. I know we've kind of gotten out of the habit of going to church Sunday morning and Sunday night. Um, but I, I hope that you will plan on joining us for both of those. So 10 a.m. Sunday morning, 6 p.m. Sunday night, Christmas Eve, as we uh, move right into um, the joy of, of, the, of this season. Well, I hope you've come today ready to engage the presence of the Lord and worship Him. Let's stand together. I invite you to shake a few hands around you. Welcome one another into worship, and let's worship Him.
very quiet. We're at church. You guys are usually way more talkative. Is, is everyone feeling okay? Guess not. Yeah, maybe we should do some jumping jacks or touch our toes. Glad you're here anyway. Will someone speak back to me? Just say hi. Okay. It makes me feel way better. Thank you. Well, in, well, we're in the mood of being quiet. Why don't we quiet our hearts? It's already been done, I understand. And uh, let's remember why we're here. That we chose to drive here. Some chose to walk. The Troxels. No, we drove. <laughs> we drove. And Father, we are here this morning because we remembered and we also forgot this week that you are God. And we want to take a time out of this busy season to remember and reflect and renew our desire to follow you in this dark world. We're reminded today that you are the light. You are the great light of the world. And we invite you now into the dark places of our heart, the dark places of our fear, of our community. We ask you to enlighten us. We ask you to remind us of the warmth of your presence today. And we all said, amen. Here we go. Joy to the world.
all smattering of applause. Come on up. You may be seated. What a shock to the system it must have been for this young girl and this good man to hear what they heard that day unexpected visit from an angel and a dream he couldn't forget would begin for them a life-altering journey. Let us hear from Luke and Matthew on this part of the Christmas story. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his word and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Mary pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because of Joseph, her husband was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke, up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary and his wife or as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So everyone went to his town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to a firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. How has God been talking to you lately? His voice is still calling out, and his desire to lead us 
is as strong today as it was in the world changing time over 2,000 years ago. Oftentimes, we are still guilty of, being, of there being no room for him, just as there was no room for him when he was born. Let us be on purpose with our listening, and let us be about the business of making room for him a priority in our lives. Nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? What feels impossible to you says nothing is impossible with God. It's good news. What child is this to lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shed Nothing is impossible with God. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds God and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring Him love.
Nothing is impossible with our God. I want to encourage you just this moment. Will you just speak to him a few things that you feel are impossible? Will you just tell God? Will you just admit to him? Father, will you give us courage this morning? Maybe the things that we feel are so out of bounds, so unattainable. We're reminded that with you, all things are possible. We trust you. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think that the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the Spirit 
he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. He gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and shopping and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughing. And he shall lift you up higher and higher and he shall lift you up and he shall lift you up higher and higher and he shall I think it's an easy time of year to forget God. There's lots of shopping lists, there's lots of parties. What am I going to get for this person? Where's the money coming from? Father, we're reminded this morning that you are God and we are not. We submit to you. We come close to you, and we believe that the impossible is possible with you. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. You stand.
honor you today for who you are. The creating God of all the universe, yet you decided to cram yourself into flesh. You decided to insert yourself into our space and redeem us. You are Emmanuel, you are God with us, you are the Prince of Peace, you are the Savior, the Messiah. That you loved this world so much, oh God, that you gave us your one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life, that you have given us hope when we were hopeless. You gave us life when we knew nothing but death, and when we knew nothing but darkness, you brought light. You are the light of the world. You have changed us, you have, and are transforming us, making us new. Allowing us to help bring light and life to a lost and dying world. It is you accomplishing this in us and it is you accomplishing this through us. We are your people called by your name. This is your space, your place. And we do, we humble ourselves before you today. And we open up our hearts and our minds to whatever it is that you want to do in us and through us. And it's in Christ's mighty and powerful and holy name we all pray today and everybody say, amen. You may be seated. I want to invite our ushers to come join us up here as we prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Jesus, we thank you for the provision that has come to our church family, yes, but, but also to the individual families, the individuals that are in this space today. We, we acknowledge that you have blessed overwhelmingly throughout this year and we honor you for that today and we thank you for the provision that is going to come our gift to you today our giving to you today is, is an act of faith and we do so with belief that you and you alone are our provider so take what we have to offer you today use it bless it multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it, build your church with it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
know we don't have any words, but I think you know this one. Lord, I'm amazed by I just want you to know what an incredibly talented group of people we have up here. They did all that. All those last songs were without any rehearsals. Todd just threw that right at us. And what an incredible group of musicians we have here to help us worship. Yes, Jeff. Yes.
Let me, let me bring you a microphone. I just want everybody to be able to hear this. seen the, the email prayer list, um, you've read that my son Stefan uh, was um, admitted into a hospital because he was having some suicidal, suicidal thoughts. And, um, and then, you know, he was able to come home the day after Thanksgiving. Um, but I just got a text from him last night, and he said that he has been back to work for a week, and uh, the injury to his leg uh, is being covered underneath workman's comp, and so we're just praising God that God is really turning him around Amen. and working in the situation, and, and we're just praising God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe there's someone else that just wants to offer a word of praise today. I, I want to... I don't want to hinder anything like that. It's good to hear praise reports. God answers prayer. We do believe that, right? We do believe that. Yes. Thank you. God touched my heart this morning. But especially last night, I cried. When I was watching the news about the losses in California, over 500 homes, been there, done that. But my praise is God was with us. And I am asking that you pray that God will be with these people and those who don't know him will be led to him mm. through this. Because without him, nobody can live through it, believe me. Because mm. without him, we couldn't have. And I know that he's there waiting for them to open their hearts to him. So I'm asking you to pray that they open their hearts and learn to know and love and accept and believe in our God and Lord Jesus. Why don't we do that now? Jesus, we, we're reminded today of how important it is to bring our requests to you. So we start with our praises, how you have answered prayer, how you have moved in Stephan's heart and in his mind, and you have brought him through the darkest points here and are, and are moving him into a place of, of, of peace and joy. You are a God who overcomes depression. And that is a word that some of us in this room today need to hear. So I lift those up that are struggling with that in their lives, and I, and I ask, Lord, that you would, you would come to them and help them open up their heart and even the deepest part of their pain 
to you. And as you touch that, as you redeem that, that you will bring them out of those dark places as well. And into light, into peace, into joy, into a place where the remainder of this Christmas season, we could, they would experience the joy of your presence, the joy of Emmanuel. And Lord, as we watch the news, there are tragedies daily that, that, that come across our screens. And we watch as California is, is burning and, and, and it hits so close to home here. We're just so quickly reminded of, of those feelings, emotions, of, of that turmoil and that fear and the stress, all that is tied up with not knowing or even worse, knowing that you've lost everything. And I'm asking that you would break through the hearts and the minds of those on the West Coast today. That they would look to you. That they would experience your peace in the midst of this storm. That they would experience your overcoming, your overwhelming grace and your mercy and your relentless love, that they would find hope inside of what would seem to be a hopeless place in life. I thank you that you come to us in those times, and you reach out, and you grab on to those who are willing to grab on to you. You are so faithful, even to those that are faithless. Thank you for the provenient grace that you have offered all of us. And it's in Christ's powerful name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, right at verse 1. The Gospel of Luke is, is, is interesting because, in case you didn't know this, Luke, um, Luke was not an apostle. He was not one that walked with Jesus when Jesus was on this earth. In fact, Luke wasn't even a Jew. Luke was a Gentile. Luke was a Gentile and was won into the church through, through the outreach of the church and, and kind of the early days of the church. Luke was, was a, a disciple of Paul. He, he, he sat under Paul's teaching. And, and so when we dig into Luke... Understand that, that we are experiencing a, a secondhand testimony. In a lot of ways, Luke is us. 
For Luke was grafted in just as we are. We, we are Gentiles, folks, grafted into this thing called the church, grafted into this thing called the bride of Christ. We've been invited in by his grace and his mercy. We've came in from the outside. Remember, we've been talking for weeks and weeks and weeks about the system that God has implemented, and Messiah inserts himself inside of the system, the, the, the Jewish system, this, this religion. And, he re, in, in, and the Redeemer comes inside of that, but you and I and Luke were outside of that, Gentiles. So when, when, when you read Luke, and even when you read the book of Acts, understand that, that you are experiencing the writings of someone that is just like us. It's, it's quite a unique experience to read through Luke. So on that note, right at verse 1, he says this, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So there he is explaining the, the, the truth about himself. He received the information secondhand, right from the, the first eyewitnesses. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. It's quite probable that the things that Luke has written down, not only in the book of Luke, but also in the book of Acts, they were handed off to this person, Theophilus, who was most likely involved in the trial of, of Paul. Because as you get to the end of the book of Acts, it, it kind of cuts off at this point where it seems to make sense to us that this orderly account was handed to a person that was involved in Paul's trial, okay? But what's interesting, I, I just love this, this fourth verse here. It, 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 it's a highlight for us today. I'm writing this to you so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. I mean, what kind of certainty do we have in a world that seems to be filled with uncertainty, in a world that's filled with a new phrase that we've caught on to called fake news? Fake news just, just keeps showing up. It seems to keep showing up. At least some people are claiming that it's fake news. And, and as you're experiencing this report or this report or this thing or, or this, you, you begin to wonder, well, what, what can I be certain about? What, what is true? Did this person really do that? Did this person really say that? And it's just one report after another after another. And they're just piling on each other. And it just seems like when you're trying to keep up with the news of the day, at least for me, I, I begin to feel more and more and more uncertain about what I'm hearing, what I'm taking in, what I'm receiving. I don't know what to believe. And Luke presents this letter, this, this report to Theophilus so that he may know the certainty of the things that he has been taught. 
Are we in a place in our journey? Are we in a place in our spiritual journey where we can know that we know that we know that what we experience here, what we read in here is true? That there is no fake news in these pages. Because the claim that is about to be made is pretty extreme. Let's keep reading. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, functioning inside of the system with perfection is what is being said here. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they had both become very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Just a very ordinary act that's taking place here, but it moves into the extraordinary. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was, was gripped, overwhelmed with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. And just pause there for a moment. I wonder how many of us in here would like that report. For someone to show up and just say, hey, just so you know, your prayer has been heard. See, I wonder sometimes in our in our journeys, in, in our prayer life, when, when, when we're just going through the ordinary, that do, do we truly expect extraordinary to, to unfold? Or are we just praying because we know it's what we're supposed to do and, and we walk away from that without any kind of faith, any kind of belief tied to that prayer that the extraordinary could happen? I mean, we're talking about a man in his old age that all of these years, for decades, he's been serving in, in this arena. He's been serving in, in this role as priest, offering prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer. And yet by the time he gets to this old age, he's probably made the assumption, my prayer is never going to be answered. It's just not in the cards for me. And yet an angel of the Lord shows up to him and says, Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, 
and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. In the womb, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. After all of these years, he finally gets word that his prayer has been heard. He even gets a detailed report about the purpose that this child, this son that he's going to have, will fulfill. And he asks, well, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Now, it's, he's stating fact. But what he's truly doing is he's saying, I've been, I've been praying this for decades. It's likely that he's even stopped offering that particular prayer up. He's probably got to a point in his old age where he's not even bothering with that request anymore. It's just not in the cards. It gets a report that this, this extraordinary thing is going to unfold. By the way, this isn't so extraordinary that it, it should be unbelievable. After all, a priest knows the history of Israel. He knows the Old Testament. He knows the story. He knows the story of Abraham and Sarah, who were in their 90s when she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. He, th this isn't so extraordinary that it's unbelievable. But extraordinary nonetheless. Yet it's too hard for him to believe. The angel responds to his question. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words. Which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, outside... People were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he'd stayed in so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Can you imagine what he's trying to communicate without being able to speak? No way to explain to them, even through charades, what had just taken place behind behind the walls. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion with a prayer in her heart saying, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. But in the sixth month, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the extraordinary happens again. God sent the angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. 
the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And it seems like she asks the same question that Zechariah asked. Well, how will this be? Except her question is more legitimate because there's an impossibility tied to her part of the story, she's a virgin. How will this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, even Elizabeth, your relative, who is well into her years, who... who um, who was said to, not be, to be unable to conceive, she is going to have a child in her old age. In fact, she's now in her sixth month of pregnancy. For nothing is impossible with God. For no word from God will ever fail Perhaps this is another highlighted verse for us today. For no word from God will ever fail. It, this, is, this is tied to that, that certainty that, that Luke was declaring right at the beginning. I'm putting this all down for you, Theophilus, so that you can, you can have certainty of the things that you have been taught. That you can be certain about the extraordinary things that you have heard about. It, it kind of begins with this extraordinary pregnancy with this old couple who have pretty much given up on this dream. Now it's not so extraordinary that it's unbelievable because we've heard that kind of a story before. But it, sort, it sure looks like as you, as you look at the stories of old that they set the stage for this really believable extraordinary thing with Zachariah and Elizabeth. And then that sets the stage for what is truly extraordinary to the point where it's almost impossible to believe that God himself, the creator of all things, moved on a young virgin to bring into the world a savior that the virgin conceived and that the virgin gave birth to the Son of God. For what is impossible with man is not impossible with God for no word 
from God will ever fail. I wonder what you have been hearing from God. Has there been a promise that has been given to you? I've ran into some folks that that have struggled with this because um, they feel like they received a promise from God and then that promise never unfolded. In fact, maybe even the opposite took place. But as we begin to dig into it, as we begin to really look at what was said and we begin to look at the situation, what we, what we typically have uncovered is that they received a word from the Lord, yes, but they took that word and they developed an essay out of it. They heard a word and they, and they made a paragraph, they made a whole scene, they made, they made up a whole stage, a whole play out of, that, out of that word. You see, that's what we humans do. And when we do that, we set ourselves up for failure. We set ourselves up for whatever we thought we heard to, to not come true because that really wasn't what God said in the first place. What we did is we took a word and then we, and then we, we tend to attach everything that we hope and everything that we want to believe is going to come true to that and we create this, this whole thing. When all along, it was just this word. And that word came true. It's just that the whole thing that was attached to it did not. I'm sure that Mary and Joseph would have probably desired a different journey. I'm sure that Mary and Joseph would have hoped for something that was far less dramatic and even um, problematic. I mean, problematic enough, as we heard earlier in our Advent moment, problematic enough where Joseph says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm bailing out on this. And I, now he was going to do it quietly. He was going to do it nicely. He was going to be a gentleman about it, but he's like, yeah. Too much, I, I don't know what's going on here. Too much drama for me, I'm, I'm out. I, I'm sure that they would have preferred something different. Yet Mary's response, hey, may it be done to me as you have said, whatever it is, that you want to do, however it is that you want to unfold this thing, by all means. And she becomes a, a stark difference to Zechariah. The priest serving inside of the system, functioning in a high role inside of the system, did not, could not have the the, the, the faith enough to, to see beyond his own circumstances, his, the, the, the parameters of, of his life as they were, 
how can this be? I'm, I'm too old. My wife is too old. I mean, he throws her under the bus. How could this be? And yet it's this young gal inside of the system, but, but, but with, no, with no real position, just, just a young virgin but betrothed to be married. And God shows up on the scene and says, the extraordinary is going to unfold through you. You who are highly favored. For no word from God will ever fail. And in closing out, at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, check this out. This is the extraordinary coming into, uh, coming right in the crosshairs of the extraordinary. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. John leaps inside of Elizabeth's womb as soon as Elizabeth hears Mary's voice. And Elizabeth becomes filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a transference. We've already been told John was filled with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit even inside of the womb. And there's this transference of that, of that fullness of the Spirit that comes upon Elizabeth herself. And she prophesies. She proclaims. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And maybe that's our takeaway today. Is, is Mary comes before us as an example of what belief, of what belief even in the impossible might look like. That God is in the habit of, of, taking, the extro, of taking the ordinary and turning it into the extraordinary. If we'll let him. If if we'll just agree to it. I mean, what if we just took, took on the notion of whatever, whatever it is you want to do, oh God, however it is you want to do it, whatever you want to accomplish and however you want to accomplish it, may it be done to me. May it be done through me. What a trajectory that would set into place. It's all written to us so that we would know the certainty of the things that we've been taught. Believing that no word from God will ever fail. if we would just cling to that kind of belief, we will be a blessed people. Jesus 
we we want to believe we choose to believe we we move into a place with our mindsets that we take on belief we also realize that there are circumstances there are there are regular life parameters there are ordinary things in our world that can become hindrances to us believing but we make the choice now to believe that you can turn the ordinary into the extraordinary that you can move the ordinary into the extraordinary that you can you can accomplish whatever it is that you want to accomplish as long as we will just simply say yes to that there are people here today that have been struggling with the impossible so they think there are people here today that have been embattled by the impossible have been even overcome by the impossible there are people here today that have been praying for weeks and for months years maybe even decades and have not yet seen answer to that prayer and and are becoming weary their faith is beginning to fail as the time continues to go on and on and on and on without what seems to be without answer Yet today we make a choice to believe. That you can accomplish the extraordinary in the moment. Or you can accomplish the extraordinary after many, 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 many moons have passed. For you are God. And you are outside of our time frame. You are Lord over all time, sovereign over all. You can even accomplish the extraordinary under the radar. Meaning that it's possible that you are accomplishing the extraordinary even without us knowing about it right now. Without us really seeing it for what it is. That the extraordinary could be unfolding. And so we just... We just make a choice today to believe. Whatever it is that you want to do, however you want to do it, may it be done. Thank you, God, that you hear our prayers. That you're hearing our prayers right now that you heard our prayers yesterday, that you will be hearing our prayers tomorrow. 
Thank you, God, that you hear our prayers, that they, do not, they are not words that fall flat onto the floor, but they are elevated to you with worship and adoration and belief. You are God. You are God of the extraordinary. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Stand with me. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you, and may he fill you with his peace. I do pray that you will experience the extraordinary in your lives, and I'm excited to hear the reports. Have an awesome week. See you next Sunday.